0: This is the Realm of Agape Christian Church. We thank God for our pastor who did not find it robbery to come and to minister the word of God in our Tamar's oasis. Amen. And we're thankful um, for him that he's been allowing the Lord to use him to minister to the women and how we've been viewed um, throughout the ages but he's coming to make it right and to, to come from the scripture with the accuracy of what God meant when he said what he said. Amen. Um and women are very important um to God. Amen. Amen. And we're grateful for our pastor. Let's say amen as he comes pastor Anthony Jackson. Thank the Lord for Tamar's Oasis women's ministry and I'm thanking God for this faithful servant woman of God dear to my heart happens to be my wife thank God she uh, is the CFO of our church I wouldn't have it no other way she's my secretary takes care of financial affairs and such and uh, we thank God for her uh, being at our side amen thank God. So we are in our lawful works of grace sermon and teaching series and today we want to go further as Tamar's Oasis has invited me in as their guest speaker. We thank God. We will be in Genesis the second chapter verse 18. Also thankful to God for my daughter being here. Glad she could hear this word, and how women ought to be respected, even more so in the house of God. We want to show the world, the secular humanistic world, we need to be leaders of this. And this is God's will. Thank God for uh, my mother, uh, mother in love, being here. She may be an in-law, but she's never been an outlaw, I thank God. Thank God for that. Uh, thank God. Courage in my son as he is yet working in the house of the Lord. And he could have been on the other side of Jordan at the beginning of this week. But thank God's hand of protection kept him. As the car rolled, they said, most witnesses said about five times. And I thank God for the number of grace being five and grace covering him. Amen. It was none other than God. And I thank God. And I had people who did not really believe in God were saying that is nothing but a miracle. I had people speaking the heavenly vernacular this week that normally did not. They had to attest to the fact that it was beyond us. It was divine intervention. My God, some of them, we'll keep them in prayer. In in a minute, they'll say his name is Jesus in a minute. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. And Jesus is in control. And uh, even though the impact of the car was all around and shattered glass and everything, Hallelujah, God. He walked out of the car. Amen. He could get out on his, in his own faculties as God had permitted. My God, we thank God for that. Hey, hallelujah. We give you a praise for that. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord. And we give you the praise. If it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? I thank God, thank God, thank God. We had to give a praise right quick for that. But we thank God for this word. And I'll be reading to your hearing from the NIV New International Version where it says, the Lord God said, quote, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. End quote. Father God, I pray that you will illuminate our minds with the glorious power, the revelation of the Holy Ghost. He will come in. He's the revealer of the truth. I pray that anyone hearing this message, that you will illuminate their mind. Open their heart, Lord God, and I pray that we will receive the word of God and that we will move forward in faith in Jesus' matchless name. Thank God. Amen. Now, when the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone, I will make him and help meet, as King James Version would say, uh, and help meet in Hebrew is Ezer Konegdo. Ezer Konegdo. Now, the meaning, we want to get into the meaning of this phrase, Ezer Connect though, you could see that first part of the phrase in such words as Ebenezer. God is our Ebenezer, our, our rock of salvation. Ezer being salvation, my God, thank God. So, Ezer has originally uh, two meanings in Hebrew, depending on the pronunciation. It could be to rescue or to save, and the other part of the phrase, to be strong. So, Ezer is a combination of two roots: to rescue, to save, and also to be strong. This word is always used in the context of mighty military acts of rescue and support. And each time this word is used in the word of God, you will discover that it refers to someone with great skill and a mandate from God. It describes someone in likeness to God himself. So God created us in his what? Likeness, right? He said, let us create man, amen, in our likeness. So Ezer describes aspects of God's character, not only a helper, but an active rescuer and protector. Nothing suggests a subservient status of the one who is helping. Now, this word is used of God as a helper in Deuteronomy 33, 7 from the Berean Study Bible. It says, O Lord, hear the cry of Judah and bring him to his people. With his own hands, he defends his cause. So Judah Judah is defending their cause. But may you, capital Y, talking about God, may you be a help. And in this verse, it is easier. May you be a help against his foes. Now, let's look at the word suitable, as I read from the NIV in uh, Genesis 2.18. The Hebrew word suitable. For suitable, yes, is connecto. It means face-to-face opposite. This word is used to describe a filling in the blank, to make a person complete and strong. You need all parts for the engine to work right. Completeness. Thank God. My wife completes me. Thank God. She's not a half, she's a whole. We are two wholes. One plus one makes one in God's marriage math. Amen. So God created a woman to stand face to face with her husband, being opposite, you know, but equally important in attributes, filling in where he has parts missing, filling in where the man may have, uh, some inconsistencies, weakness, for example. She will be strong in that part, amen, and vice versa. But this is Women's Day, so I'm only talking about the women's part, amen. (laughs) This is the women's service. So, yes, she will be strong, and with her, she makes him strong and complete with herself, amen. So, uh, one day we were uh, eating in a restaurant, a buffet somewhere, and one of the, uh, former parishioners we, we used to worship with in a uh, at a uh, denomination, thank God. But this person was a leader in the church, and uh, she saw us at the buffet. She said, wherever I see uh, uh, Lisa, I see Anthony. <laughs> Amen. So many couples, that does not happen. She says, you know, so many times, a few times that I saw you all in public, Seemingly, you're always together. Amen. The two became one, if you will. (laughs) Thank God. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I thank God that today we need to focus on how if we do this thing right, and God comes in and transforms us by the renewing of our mind, and sin is not imposing on the process, you will be able to see very clearly, What to say when someone dismisses female leadership in the Bible? And that's what I want to talk to you today about. What to say when someone dismisses female leadership in the Bible? Now, for egalitarians, as opposed to complementarians, egalitarians are those who stand on the premise that all people are equal and deserve equal rights. Uh, The book of Judges clearly demonstrates God's approval of women leaders. From Deborah to Jael, women led the way in these passages. They demonstrate persistence and courage when others, including men, did not. Yet, many who view women's leadership as unbiblical dismiss the pattern of God-affirmed female authority in the book of Judges. They attempt to dismiss Deborah and Jael as necessary circumstantial allowances due to lack of available male leaders. But the text doesn't support this reasoning. In fact, the text depicts women in highly effective, authoritative roles. So what should we say when someone dismisses women's leadership in judges? Let's look at the passage. And a woman named Deborah, a prophet, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. And she sat under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for justice. Let's talk about a few things. I have subheadings, and uh, this first subheading, I want to just touch on misogyny and social degeneration. There's a tie. We will see in the book of Judges that it was a pro-monarchical text, that means it favors the establishment of a monarchy and is written in such a way as to argue that a king is necessary. We know that in Scripture it says the people perish because of lack of, you know, knowledge, but lack of vision. Where there's no vision, people perish. They don't have the vision the purpose because there has to be a lead, a proper leadership there that is leading the way. And in Proverbs, it talks about the honorable status of a king, how they ought to comport themselves. My God. And in the book of Judges, there's nothing wrong with necessarily having a king, but how they went about asking about it and just wanting to be like other nations. Israel dropped the ball on that because sin is in the world and that's how it is. Uh, It should have been theocracy only. Thank God. God is the king. Thank God. But they want to have a human king and and, and God let them have what they wanted. But he warned them what was going to happen. But we see here in Judges because of all of that. The very last verse in Judges says, quote, in those days, Israel had no king because um, there was such faultiness in flip flopping leadership left and right. One rose and fell, rose and fell, rose and fell. This is because of the situation with sin in the world. So the people in Israel had no king at a point, and everyone did as they saw fit what was right in their own eyes in Judges twenty-one twenty-five, Now, as the narrative progresses, uh, Israel spirals into chaos, showing the reader that, that the people need the stability of a good king. Things get progressively worse until the slaughter of the Benjamites and even the rape of the Gileadites in chapters 20 through uh, and 21. Judges contain some of the the worst depictions of violence against women in the Bible. Is this God's fault? People like to look at the Bible and say, God allowed all of this. But we chose sin over God. And this is what sin does. When sin gets through having its way, it brings forth death. Judges contains, yes, because of that, some of the worst depictions. This unfortunate evidence seems to be correlated to the degeneration of Israel. The inhumane treatment and often lowly status of apathetic inequality of women throughout the book is there as indicting evidence against such sin? Early on, Deborah and Jael are women of valor who save Israel from its enemies. And later on, however, Jephthah sacrifices his own teenage daughter. Delilah is uh, portrayed uh, as a destructive influence on Samson. See, the more they want to blame women. And they say, who steals his strength? But Samson made up his own mind. She made up the bed, and he made up his own mind. See, finally in Judges, there was the rape and murder, if you recall, of the Levite's concubine, who is not even named in chapter 19. Uh, And that's probably the most disturbing story in the Bible. And it caused a litany of wars throughout the rest of the book. The position of women trends downward uh, throughout the book of Judges, and some commentators see this as connecting gender equality with success and God's favor. Because of the lack of the gender equality, they began to not have success and God's favor. They began to have a degeneration of their society. The stories about women are relatively rare in the Bible as it is, but in the book of Judges alone, there are seven and Two women have direct communication with God, direct communication. And that was Deborah in chapter 4 and the mother of Samson in chapter 13. So we have touched on misogyny and social degeneration. We could see how Israel began to degenerate socially as misogyny increased. So did their degeneration, my God. Now let's look at it for a little bit. Uh, the people cried to the Lord for help when oppressed. See, when the enemy came in rushing Rashad, then they felt the need all of a sudden to cry for help. But God said, you know what? When the sun is shining and we got all we need, that's probably the best time to be praying. Amen. Because we could get beside ourselves and get lax. And get comfortable, my God, and the enemy sneaks right on in and takes the best of us because we think we got it all. But Deborah was Israel's fourth judge at this time. Like Othniel and Ehud before her, Deborah's story begins with Israel having done evil in the eyes of the Lord, as it is with all uh, the judges coming in. They did some evil They repented when the enemy came in and took over. God delivered them with a quote-unquote small-s savior because there were several, if you will, military-type prophetic political leaders who were saviors. These judges were looked upon like that. They would call in for saviors, and they would come, deliver them. My God, they would get back on the right foot, get on the good foot, right quick, right? (laughs) But then get off the good foot and get off the beaten track where God says the narrow way is there for your safety. But they got off that track and got on their own track and did what was ever right in their own eyes. Whatever was right in their own eyes, that's what they sought. And it was a cycle. Repent, go back. Repent, go back. God always heard their cry. And in each case, God is said to have punished Israel by giving them over to an oppressive foreign power. And in each case, God responds to their cry for help by sending a judge as a, quote, deliverer of the first four judges. Deborah's story is the longest by a significant margin. So when they cried for help, some of the best help they got was the ministry of God sent women. And they can't deny it. So many of them try to, but God said, you're not going to deny this. I'm going to let these be chronicled in the annals of holy history. You're not going to be able to uh, stamp out the women. No. Mm -hmm. And now let's talk a little bit about the call and ministry of prophets. Judges uh, four was still there. Uh, Like Moses and Miriam, Deborah, yes, was a prophet. And uh, in the Old Testament, prophets are people to whom God has sent his spirit. In various ways, these people hear directly from God and communicate God's truth to the people. This position of spiritual leadership was similar to today's preacher or theologian. Prophets uh, were distinct from priests, priests handled the temple rituals and sacrifices. And uh, priests communicated with God on behalf of the people. But prophets communicated with the people on behalf of God. There is little evidence for or against female priests in the Old Testament. But the blood purity laws would have made it highly inconvenient for women of childbearing age to serve as priests because of that rule. By Jesus's time, this was almost certainly out of the question, though there's evidence that uh, women served as elders in local synagogues. They do not appear to have left us any writings, but there are several recorded examples of female prophets in the Old and New Testaments. There were certainly more whose stories did not survive. Let's talk a little bit now about the high calling of judges, still in Judges, the fourth chapter, fourth verse. So the position of judge appears to have been one of both political and spiritual leadership. And Deborah, it says in the scripture, sat uh, in the NIV, renders the Hebrew word Yoshadet, means held court. So Deborah sat under the palm of Deborah, they called it where she settled disputes, much like Moses, and uh, later the kings settled disputes. And one notable one was Solomon when the two women were arguing over the baby that, amen, the one, one baby died and the other was alive, and the one that was lying, you know, they, they found out because Solomon said he's going to do what? Sever the baby in two. Let's end this argument. I'll just sever the baby in two the real mama stood up the, the 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 fake mother didn't even mind it being cut. And and Solomon said the real mama's right there. Right. So God enabled kings to make good decisions. He also uh, allowed and and inspired and anointed the judges to have wisdom like that. And this woman Deborah had that kind of wisdom. And guess what? She accompanied the army when it went out to battle. On the other hand, she also reported the commands of God. Uh, judges 4th chapter in verses 6 and 9, you see that. This should be noted uh, that her respect was, was short-lived, and female judges, their respect for them was short-lived. Uh, verse 9, we see uh, the commander of the army refused to go to battle, though, against Sisera, who was a mighty warrior. And they were so afraid that they were going to be defeated. But uh, the army, after they found the will of God, they were going out to battle. But the commander looked around. He said, uh-uh, we're not going anywhere until Deborah comes. You know, when the smoke cloud clears, uh, uh, we got to hear from the Lord. What does Deborah have to say? So likely, uh, she served as the mouthpiece of God and would be able to guide their every decision. Thank God. Decision with precision because God gave it to her. Deborah agreed to go, but said, as she quoted the Lord's words, the Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman in verse nine. Uh, It is not clear to which woman she was referring to. Uh, Deborah goes on to gain honor for the victory of the battle. But the decisive blow is delivered by JL as prophesied. Thank God. And let's talk about JL since we're there. Verses uh, 18 through 22 of chapter four. JL's family is descended from the family of Zipporah, Moses' wife. Remember the one that they they heckled a little bit? Uh, Moses married her. It wasn't a racial thing. She was not of their tribe and such. Um. But she was, a, if you could say, a woman of darker color. Amen. People around the way might say she was a sister girl. But, yes, she was married to Moses. Uh, uh, and as the Israelites advanced, Sisera fled to J.L.'s tent to hide there because uh, he was allied with her clan. So they were allies. So he felt this was a safe spot. He could go in there. And she let him get all cozy, gave him warm milk, and let him lie down in a nice cot. But then this part is a little bit, you know, rated on violence. JL killed him in his sleep. She took the tent nail and drove it through his head. That's, that's war. <laughs> and a woman did it. My God. She was like Wonder Woman. Hallelujah. <laughs> My God. And let's look quickly at the Song of Deborah, chapter 5, because of this victory. The Song of Deborah is written in archaic Hebrew, and and most scholars believe it's one of the oldest pieces of writing preserved in the whole Bible. This likely means uh, it came down as a song in oral tradition before being written down. This is evidence that Deborah was a celebrated and culturally significant figure. The singers in Israel uh, were often women. So it's also quite possible that this chapter was composed and passed down by women long before judges was even written. Amen. Let's touch on two more quick things and summarize. So we see in chapter five, verse seven a mother in Israel. Deborah sings that villagers in Israel would not fight until she arose. She arose as a mother in Israel. Deborah is a strong and charismatic leader who brings the word of God to bolster her people's courage. And this was at a crucial time. My God, it was do or die for Israel because that that opponent was so powerful, my God. But look who God called. He's letting the world know, you do not uh, disdain my definition of what Ezer is. Thank God. God chose new leaders when war came to the city gates in chapter five, verse eight. She sung about that. And throughout history, many of God's people have been surprised by his choice of a woman to lead in a time of war. And this is why she's called with her uh, sister at arms, Jael, women who are most blessed in chapter five, verse 24. Jael's act of violence against Sisera. Yes, it's distasteful to us. But to Israel, she was salvation from oppression. Much like the strong help, that phrase we saw in Genesis 2. And the woman of valor we are very familiar with. We quote a lot on Mother's Day in Proverbs 31. Amen. J.L. was a rescuer, living up to the name God gave women. The song calls her most blessed of women in chapter 5, verse 24. Amen. I could see the anointing of Ezer come from my wife as she did not want me to drive after work and be so tired and drive for miles and hours. So she was able to take off from work and handle the business of going to PA in my stead. And she announced it as she was like, I guess halfway there, almost coming back. I said, you sneaky little girl in my text, in a loving way though. She said, I don't want nothing to happen to you. You're so tired after work. I went on ahead and did it. And I couldn't do nothing but uh, snicker and grin. My dimple came out and I hugged her. Amen. I said, Wonder Woman, look at you. But my wife is most blessed of women too. Thank God. She got that Genesis 2 and that Proverbs 31 oozing out of her pores. Thank God. Let's summarize and we're done. So what should we say to someone who believes that God doesn't affirm women's leadership in Judges? Five things. You heard them. Number one, Judges contains the worst depictions of violence against women in the Bible. Some commentators see a link between the declining status of Israel and poor treatment of women in the book. If they had treated the women better, they would have had a better society. Amen. I thank God I have a good society in my home because I do not strike my wife. Amen. Thank God. My words are even better these days. Amen. She has trained me well. Thank God. (laughs) Thank God. God used her. Amen. To help me this their day. But I'll tell you about how God used me to help her on the men's day. (laughs) Number two. Through stories uh, in this word, in this text, we see a lot of good things, and if we don't look keenly, we could miss them, Uh, because those stories about women are relatively rare in the Bible. Judges contains seven stories, and two women have direct communication with God. Thus, this suggests that God uses and speaks authoritatively through women number three there is little evidence for or against female priests in the old testament thank god for that and we could quickly overlook that there's evidence that women served as elders in local synagogues in jesus's time and there are several recorded examples of female prophets in the old and new testaments women's spiritual leadership is not a new concept, amen, in other words. Number four, Deborah was a prophet, a position much like today's preacher or theologian. Judges appears to serve as both political and spiritual leaders in the word. Uh, Deborah settled disputes, accompanied the army into battle, and reported the commands of God with authority, amen. Amen. And lastly, number five, God shows approval of both Deborah and JL's leadership. And throughout the Bible, we see God select women to communicate truth and lead the way, even when men were available. Can we praise God? Amen, for he is good to all. He wants equity. He wants justice. He said that we ought to do justly and obey the Lord. Hallelujah. We of the realm of Agape Christian Church pray that the Holy Word of God has richly blessed your soul. To send prayer requests, use the contacts page of our website, www. .roagape.org We need your continued prayers and financial support to maintain this ministry. You can also find a secure means of donating on our website. God bless you.